we're qualifying that deal flow and it's accelerating. And so now we've got to get out in front of investors. And as I mentioned earlier, part of that is educating them on why they should invest in agriculture. It's that time of year again, tax season. How are you doing on tax season? How's that treating you so far? Well, if you have a lot of receipts and you're organizing things like your income and expenses and creating reports, and you're also trying to keep up to date with the new tax reform this year, there's a lot of deductions that we can take to maximize return. And there's a lot of strategies that we need to make sure we're aware of. Are you optimizing for the new tax laws? Well, our sponsor, Stessa, teamed up with the top real estate CPAs to offer you the ultimate rental property tax guide. And I've read it. This is the ultimate rental property tax guide. I'm talking about they've got everything covered from opportunity zones to entity selection to establishing a home office, travel expenses, what type of travel expenses are deductible, real estate strategies, tax strategies, capital improvements versus repairs. I mean, this is the ultimate rental property tax guide. And you can get it for free by going to stessa.com forward slash best taxes. You have to sign up for an account, but the account is free. So when you sign up for a free Stessa account, you will get this guide. This is worth its weight in gold for sure. Go to stessa.com, S-T-E-S-S-A.com forward slash best taxes. And when you work with Stessa, Stessa is a tool that helps every rental property owner track, manage, and communicate the performance of our real estate investment. So it's going to save a lot of time during tax season, but then also through the rest of the season as we go and grow our rental portfolio and optimize that. So go to stessa.com forward slash best taxes. Get that ultimate rental property tax guide. Best ever listeners, how are you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff. What's this today? Chris Raleigh. How you doing, Chris? I'm doing great, Joe. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, nice to have you on and looking forward to our conversation. Chris is the founder of Harvest Returns, which is an agriculture investment platform. He's invested in residential, commercial, and agriculture real estate for 20 plus years now. He's got 26 years of active and reserve Navy service. So thank you, sir, for that. And he's traveled in more than 50 countries based in Cowtown, otherwise known as Fort Worth, Texas, where I'm from. So with that being said, Chris, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Sure. Beautiful Fort Worth. We're not experiencing the Arctic vortex here, uh, (laughs) fortunately. So after I got off active duty in the Navy, I worked for a large commercial real estate company and really caught the investing bug with real estate in both active and passive investments. And one of my kind of philosophies has always been after having been burned a few times and investing in, in various things, whether they're stocks or real estate or whatever, is that I'm a firm believer in diversification. So as I've been investing in my own account for quite some time and different types of real estate, as you said, I began to look at post-2008 crisis where we all kind of even those of us that have been investing for a little longer through some ups and down cycles, we all kind of had some moments there where we were afraid of what the future might look like in real estate investing and maybe some doubts. But that drove me to look at a new asset class in the form of agriculture. So I started looking at how can I invest in agriculture? And it turns out it's pretty hard. So the best way to get into farming is to go out and buy a farm. But uh, I was talking to a banker friend a few months ago and the average 
farm in the U.S. is $4.5 million. So that's out of the reach of most folks, especially new types of investors. So I had an idea in, in 2016 to create this platform to make it more easy to invest passively in income producing agriculture. And we created this company, Harvest Return. So that's been our focus for the past almost three years. And we've helped farmers across the country and even across the world raise capital. Basically what we do is we syndicate farming projects. So it's just like a real estate syndication. We do all the legal documentation and we help these farmers promote their projects to our pool of investors. I'm going to really enjoy this conversation because I've done about 1600 interviews I have not come across this yet. And I love it when I come across things for the first time after interviewing so many people. You help farmers raise capital, so you syndicate farming projects. Please give an example of what we're talking about here. Sure. So we do both debt and equity projects, and our sort of our target farm size is anywhere between a half a million and a few million dollars. And we found when we first started doing this that that represents sort of an underserved market for farm sizes between there's people that do sort of backyard farming or hobby farming. When you say farm size, is that revenue the farmer produces on an annual basis or what is that? No, that's the actual capital raise. So in some cases, even though we only may may be raising $500,000, the actual farm is much larger. Just like in a real estate investment, you might have equity combined with debt. So we're working on a project where it's about a $600,000 raise, but the actual project is several million dollars with other forms of capital. And that's just the slice that our investors are syndicating. So we structure debt and equity deals. We helped a farmer, this one example I'm thinking of, raise about a half a million dollars in notes that were collateralized and secured by cattle. So interesting that it's basically a private loan that we were able to offer and offer our investors a nice, safe return that's collateralized by an asset that's actually insured and hedged and worth much more than the value of the actual security it's collateralized against. In that case, why wouldn't the farmer go to a community bank or credit union? One of the things that we've come to realize is that the ag credit system and the traditional agriculture banking system hasn't changed a lot in 50 years. We talked to farmers who are multiple generation, third, fourth generation farmers, and they're basically using the same kind of loan that their fathers and grandfathers were using. And a lot of them express dissatisfaction, especially the younger farmers, because they don't have the track record, even though they've been raising cattle or growing wheat or whatever since the day they were born riding on their father's tractor, they don't have the track record to qualify for some of these loans or they've got significant student debt or just basically some of the more sophisticated people we've talked to, they've got a capital stack that's got debt and equity and they're just looking to either increase the equity or bring in bridge type loans or segregate the investment. And that's just that one example. I provided other examples just where we're raising equity to pay for the down payment on a farm combined with debt, that sort of thing. So as a limited partner versus general partner, as a passive investor, I know you know that, but I was just clarifying for the listeners. So as a limited partner, when I'm evaluating a deal real estate-wise, let's say it's a multifamily deal, the business model I come across is usually the same, and that's a value-add business model. Go in, renovate the interiors, increase rent, et cetera. What is the typical business model for one of these investments? So in some cases, we're doing development deals. So an equivalent would be like, hey, I'm buying a raw piece of land and building an apartment building or or whatever on it. In our case, they're buying a raw piece of land and building, say, a 
hydroponic greenhouse or an aquaculture operation. And that is one of the more niche things that we're doing is more of these specialized projects. One of the things that's going on with agriculture right now is consumer tastes are changing. So it's all about food production, right? So people are getting very specific in what they want to eat. They want gluten-free, they want high protein, they want veganism, they're pescatarians, you name it, there's a specialized diet these days. And those specialized diets require specialized growing methods. And consequently, we're finding that these specialized projects are not well served by the traditional banking system. And that's kind of where we're finding our niche is in raising capital in creative and agile ways. So we could take an existing farm project where there's just some infrastructure. Maybe a, a farmer wants to expand the land under the acreage he or she has to add more livestock or add more crop production, but it may also be a development project. So in some ways, it's a lot like real estate. In other ways, it's quite a bit different. Mm -hmm. And for anyone who wasn't sure what hydroponics is, it's basically growing plants without soil. So you're using minerals to do that. So how much equity have you raised through your platform to date? We been in business almost three years. We launched the platform in late 2017, and we've raised about a million dollars for a few different projects. And we've got a pretty significant deal flow that we're winnowing down, obviously doing a lot of due diligence on it to make sure that we only list the best projects for our investors. And then we're also pretty excited about putting together an opportunity zone fund. And we're going to be one of the first, if not the first, agriculture-focused opportunity zone funds. Oh, cool. So just so I'm understanding... You've been in business for three years and you've in total raised approximately $1 million in equity across your projects? Yes. What was the project that took up the majority of that $1 million? So that was that cattle operation uh, that, yeah. yep. that I discussed. The 500. Yep. Got some projects now. Unfortunately, I can't talk about them right. um, publicly because of SEC regs, but we've got some other ones that are more specialized and we're looking forward to getting those funded here in the next few months. So let's talk about this $500,000 in notes that was collateralized and secured by cattle. Mm -hmm. What did they do with that 500K? So that one was purely to purchase cattle for a grass-fed operation. The project sponsor had already had land. He'd already had some other equity investors involved and owned the land and the infrastructure. And this was simply to purchase cattle on a three-year note that basically almost like an annuity or a short-term loan. And we structured it that way to kind of get our investors in and out. Most agriculture is a long-term sort of investment. And one of the things that kind of differentiates us from, say, if you go out and buy a piece of land and lease it, is that we are structuring these more like commercial real estate or multifamily deals where you can kind of get in and get out with an exit in a reasonable period of time. Okay. So this farmer put up $500,000 worth of cattle as collateral in order to buy more cattle? Well, the note was secured. So basically you're buying, you know, the thing about cow math is, you know, we, we talk about different types of math because you've seen one multifamily, you've seen them all with agriculture, you've seen one agriculture project, you've seen one agriculture project. So right. you know, we're, we're learning a lot. Although some of us in the company have some farming background or spent, spent a lot of time on the farm growing up. We're not agronomists, that sort of thing. So we learn it. We spend a lot of time learning about financial aspects of different types of crop production and livestock production. And so for cow math, you buy calves and then a year later feeding them. In this case, they're being fed grass and they're being finished on grass. So that's a high demand sort of product right now is this grass fed cattle that a lot of people want versus grain fed cattle and they grow. And so they, they start out at say $700 a head. And then a couple of years later, they're all fattened up and ready to become steak dinners. They're maybe 
$1,700, and, $2,000. And don't quote me on the math. And sure. there's probably some cattle rancher out there saying, <laughs> that's all wrong. Yeah, I, I don't have it in front of me. But basically, you're buying an asset at a price and then it grows. And there's not much volatility in, say, grass-fed higher premium prices than traditional prices. So mm-hmm. uh, that's where your security is. So let's talk about something that you mentioned. You've seen one multifamily deal. You've seen them all. You've seen one agriculture deal. You've seen one agriculture deal because they're so unique. So the challenge, I imagine, is building a scalable business and qualifying these deals since they're so unique. So how do you do that? When we first started, we didn't really know what our niche was going to be. And we're still as many young companies do. We're still trying to figure out our niche that what is something that we can scale and do. And we do firmly believe that the diversification our platform provides is important, but at some point or another, you want to sort of focus so you can scale rapidly. And so what we're starting to focus in now is these specialized sorts of ag production. We generally don't do just row crop commodity. When I say row crop, this is commodity-based products that most people are probably familiar with when you drive through you know, the plains sure. Midwest of corn, wheat, sorghum. The problem, just from an investor standpoint with that, don't get me wrong, if you own farmland, you can make a lot of money if you hold it for a long time. In fact, it, it generally outpaces the returns of, of stocks and bonds. But the problem with that is really dependent on commodity prices. So row crops, farmers have been sort of hurting for the past few years because the commodities have been in a slump. But when you get in into specialty production, say like those hydroponic greenhouses or something like grass-fed cattle, you're seeing higher returns. So if from the investor standpoint, that's an area that if you're looking to grow your portfolio passively, that's where you want to be. Mm-hmm. Smart. That makes a lot of sense. When you are educating your investors, you've raised a million dollars through your platform How do you help them become educated on how to qualify a deal on whether they should or shouldn't invest? Yeah, education is a huge part of what we do because this is a new asset class for a lot of people. It's ubiquitous, right? So just like real estate, everybody's got to have a roof over their head. Everyone has to eat. Everyone's probably got a cotton t-shirt. Everyone lives in a house made of timber, some portion of it. So it's ubiquitous, but hardly anybody invests in it. So it's important to understand what you invest in. So we've got a lot of educational content on our our blog. When we do our offerings, we really help the sponsor explain what exactly they are putting in front of the investors in terms of what the market is for a particular crop, how it's being produced, what makes their project unique, what is their competitive advantage. And then of course, the financial aspects, how are the investors going to get their money back in in the growth of the project? So we're big into education. We want people to learn about the food system, how their food's produced and connect to it by investing in it. From a regulatory structure standpoint, what type of structure do you have with your platform? We're doing Regulation D 506C, which probably some of your listeners, if they've invested in say a real estate syndication, are probably familiar with those terms. Primarily focused on accredited, although we do have some projects that are available to limited numbers of unaccredited investors. And you know, accreditation is based on net worth, investable assets, and or annual income. There's limits for those. But we'd eventually like to get into different 
flavors of offerings and there's Reg A plus or Reg crowdfunding. There's all the different things that would allow retail investors. Although I will say, even though we're primarily focused on accredited investors, our ticket sizes or our minimum investments are fairly low. And when I say low, anywhere between say $5,000 and $25,000. And we did that because one, we wanted to make this asset class more available to more investors. And two, we know that not everybody's familiar with it. So we wanted to enable you to kind of put your toes in the water with a small amount of capital before you write a check for a hundred thousand or 200,000 or 500,000. And there's existing farmland funds out there that only take a half a million dollar ticket sizes. And and that's not necessarily for everybody. Mm -hmm. When you mentioned earlier that you've got some ongoing offerings, but you can't talk about them. I thought that 506C you can publicly advertise. So how come you're not able to talk about your current offers? Well, the one I'm specifically referring to is the 506B actually. So we can't. Ah, we there's can't. the rub. Yeah. So we do have the one exciting 506C that we do have coming up is our Opportunity Zone Fund. And it's going to be a uh, specializing in sustainable agriculture. And sustainable agriculture is some of those things that I mentioned, whether it's hydroponics or grass-fed, humanely raised livestock. And we're looking forward to launching that in the next couple of months and getting that in front of people. And the thing with Opportunity Zones, if people aren't familiar with them, is they're very tax-advantaged. They're sort of a new flavor of 1031 exchange where you, you save your capital gains, but it much more, from my perspective, much more flexible. So with an Opportunity Zone fund, you take capital gains. It can be from the sale of real estate. It can be from the sale of stocks. It can be from the sale of business, basically any type of asset. You roll it into that fund and there's sort of three main advantages. One is that tax deferral of your recognition of your taxes. So you don't have to pay any taxes on that capital gains till December 31st, 2026, I believe. Not sure how they came up with that date. The second is a step up in basis. So you're basically, if you hold that money in that opportunity zone, that gain for five years, you get a step up in tax basis of 10%. If you hold it for seven years, you get a step up in tax basis of 15%. And then there's also a permanent exclusion. This is probably the best. So it's a long-term thing. If you keep that money in there for 10 years, any gains on the money invested, you basically pay zero capital gains. So for some investors that are sitting on some gains from whatever sale of a piece of real estate or whatever, opportunity zones are a big deal. And we're really excited to be really the only company that's focused on agriculture in an opportunity zone. Most are real estate focused. You've been in business for less than three years, but you have brought a million dollars in equity. What's been the challenge for growth? Is it lack of deals or getting the equity lined up? Because I would imagine if you had a lot of equity and a good deal flow, there would have been more than a million dollars in equity for the last three years. The first year, we basically spent gathering some initial deal flow and kind of figuring out what we wanted to do and getting all the technical aspects of our platform in place. So I'd almost sort of write that year off. The second year, a little boat. We have a, a pretty significant deal flow. And when I say significant, like over hundreds of farmers who want to raise over a billion dollars. Now, we got to qualify that deal flow, right? We're going to do due diligence on it and pretty significant due diligence. And part of that due diligence is can those sponsors pay our listing fees? Cause we got to make some money, right? We're not a broker dealer, so we can't take commission based fees. So we're qualifying that deal flow and it's accelerating. And so now we've got to get out in front of investors. And as I mentioned earlier, part of that is educating them on why they should invest in agriculture. And there's some compelling reasons for that I can get into. Why? What are the compelling reasons? Okay. So the first is sort of a longer term strategic 
reason, just from demographics. So like I said, everyone's got to eat. The population continues to grow. 2050, we'll probably be sitting on 10 million people that need to be fed. So that's a significant growth in just the population of food consumers. And then there's the other sort of aspect of that is as populations across the world get wealthier, whether that's in the U.S. or in any sort of emerging country, they tend to eat more protein. And they also shift from plant protein to animal protein as their wealth increases. So that results in more land is needed to produce food, to produce livestock. And along with that is urbanization, right? So the people have to live somewhere and that mostly results in these urban areas sprawling out and covering what was once arable farmland. So they're not making any more land, as they like to say. So land is shrinking. And then as I talk about increasingly specialized diets, that's an opportunity for them an investment side. So the second piece I think agriculture is compelling is just the return aspect. As I said, U.S. farmland, just in that little particular piece of the asset class, has surpassed the Dow and the S&P 500 over more than a decade. And it's also competitive with real estate return over the long term. And finally, diversification. So I'm a huge believer that the best way to reduce your risk is to diversify. And that's diversify across asset classes, geographies, and property types. And that all applies in the agriculture as well as real estate. And returns from agriculture are, are positively correlated to inflation, just like in real estate. And they're negatively correlated for the most part with other financial assets, stocks and bonds. So if you look at the alternatives, multifamily, everybody loves multifamily. Smart investors love multifamily. I do. I've invested in it. I've done those deals. But cap rates are compressing. So people are looking for alternatives. And I think agriculture can be one of those alternatives. Yeah, fascinating. I'm really grateful that you're on the show and we're having this conversation. I love learning about new stuff. What is your best real estate investing advice ever based on your background and your current focus? Yeah, I would say diversification. So don't put all your eggs in one basket. There's ways to diversify, to be focused, but also diversify to, if that makes sense. So you can focus on multifamily, but if I was in multifamily, and I am, I don't look at one market because people tend to like momentum invest and then they keep riding that momentum until it drops off and that's not necessarily good. So consider putting your money into different markets, into different asset types and geographies and different property types. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Okay, let's go. All right, let's do it. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Stessa is the essential tool for tracking your rental properties, and it's going to save you a tremendous amount of time during tax season. Stessa organizes all of your rental property financials and automatically creates all the reports you need to file your tax return. And Stessa teamed up with the top real estate CPAs to offer you, best ever listeners, the ultimate rental property tax guide to help you maximize your deductions. Get that copy when you sign up for an account that counts free. So get the copy by going to stessa.com forward slash best taxes. That's S-T-E-S-S-A dot com forward slash best taxes. Are you ready to close more deals and officially seal your financial freedom? The Dwellin Show with Ola Dantis discloses the most innovative real estate investing strategies to kickstart your quest to financial freedom. Go listen at www.dwellyn.com forward slash show. That's dwellynn.com forward slash show. Best ever book you've recently read? There's a book called The Lean Startup by Eric Ries. I've got a lot of favorite books, but that one's kind of our, our mantra of experimenting and iterating as you do a, a startup company. 
Best ever deal you've done? I did a small commercial building. I just sold out of it last year and I ended up having a tenant that was going to leave. And so I kind of freaked out and then I ended up marketing that space and ended up having a new buyer buy the building. And I made pretty good, ridiculous returns on that. What's a ridiculous return? That was like 300% in like a year and a half, two years, something like that. That's a ridiculous return. (laughs) What's a mistake you've made on a transaction? I told you I've been doing this for a while. I've been a lot of different times property. I tried to flip a house and this was way before people were doing short sales and all those things. Like I didn't know what a short sale was and I I just didn't negotiate with the bank. I had an opportunity to do a better job of negotiating. I didn't and I basically just kind of broke even on it. Best ever way you like to give back? Our current focus now is helping farmers stay in farming and new farmers. So that's what we're doing to give back right now is getting more people into farming and keeping them in business by giving them alternative sources of capital. And how can the best ever listeners learn more about what you got going on? Yes. Best way is to go to harvestreturns.com. We've got a lot of educational material on there. You can set up an account and look at our current offerings. And of course, we're also on social media. We've got Twitter and LinkedIn and Facebook and YouTube channel with some educational videos and pretty much all of those. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, Chris, and really appreciate you discussing your business model and your focus and how you syndicate farming projects and the ways that you all differentiate your projects and where you focus, which is a specialty production versus the row crops that get more commodity prices. Just educating, I imagine, a lot of the best ever listeners on this, certainly me. So thanks again for being on the show. Really enjoyed it. Hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. You're welcome, Joe. Appreciate it. Are you ready to close more deals and officially seal your financial freedom? The Dwellin Show with Ola Dantis discloses the most innovative real estate investing strategies to kickstart your quest to financial freedom. Go listen at com forward slash show. That's D-W-E-L-L-Y-N-N dot com forward slash show.